Welcome to the View in Your Mirror podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa Rubin and Katie Harms. From new moves to tried and true strategies, we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life. Come along as we hope to inspire, engage, and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear. Lisa, Lisa, Lisa. Good morning, Katie. (laughs) How are you today? I am good. And how are you? Good. How was your initial view in your mirror when you woke up this morning? Um, I think it was okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, um, I, you know, I did my morning routine to get What's ready. What's your morning routine? What's my morning routine? Yep. Well, I usually lay in my bed now for the three minutes. I, ever since we recorded with Pilar, I decided I'm going to do that. So I sit, I close my eyes. I do not grab from my phone anymore. And I take three minutes to just not sleep, but just try to keep my mind blank. And I, I, I really think it's helping. And then I get up and I go and get a cup of coffee, maybe put a load of laundry in. And then I start with the washing of the face, the brushing of the teeth and getting ready for my day. All right. What's yours? I wake up slowly. I too spend a little time just laying there kind of assessing everything. And then I spend five minutes or so, five, maybe sometimes 10. And occasionally I'll do a whole hour of yoga stretching. If I do a Zoom yoga class, then I will get an hour's worth. But I make it a habit every day of doing some sort of yoga stretching. And it's made a huge difference for me physically, um, mentally, I think as well. It just frames your day right. And then I go in and start my routine and get dressed and whatever the day holds for me. And then you get several text messages from me on most days. Katie, 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 what are we doing this? How are we doing that? (laughs) Because I'm best at a random stream of thought. (laughs) Because I'm best in the morning, not at night. Morning is my thing. I'm not a night person, so. Morning when is up. when you're at your best. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's and then as fabulous. the day goes on, it gets worse. <laughs> we, we lose you somewhere around <laughs> eight o'clock. <laughs> okay, eight p.m. That's a hard stop. So. Nine o'clock's the hard stop. Eight o'clock is I'm starting to stop. I want to rapid fire this because, and I'm going to tell you why. I got on a plane recently, and the woman in front of me, God bless her, I think is a representation of a lot of people that are back flying now. You know, we can have two bags two carry-ons or two, you know, generally they talk about one carry-on and then a small item and people have all sorts of different views of how they handle that. In any case, this, this poor deer had two large tote bags filled to the brim, filled to the brim. And she was trying to get organized. And, and I thought there's gotta be a better way. There's got, Lisa's gotta have a strategy for how to pack, to take a trip. And I know people are interested in getting it all in without having to check baggage. So how do we best do that, Lisa? Well, that's a big question, Katie, and I will try to simplify it. But my recommendation is first how you pack your suitcase, whether it's an overhead suitcase or you're going to check your suitcase. So like if you're a person that doesn't ever want to check luggage, that's a whole different way of packing than if you're going to use a suitcase and check it, right? Because, and depending on how long you're going to go for the trip, because all of your liquids, your shampoos, your conditioners, your face washes, 
or if you're going somewhere where you have to do laundry, whatever, you can only bring three ounces, right? Right. So that is something that you have to be organized in ahead of time. That's the key right there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I, and we can talk about this a little bit more intense, but I always recommend people roll their clothes and put them either in those packing cubes that you can buy or Ziploc baggies. And you're not wasting the Ziploc baggies because I just keep my Ziploc baggies until they don't Ziploc anymore in my suitcase. And I reuse them all the time. And I roll my shirts in one, my t-shirts in another, my underwear in one, you know, categories. And I actually have it in permanent marker on the bags, what they are. So when I open up my suitcase, oh, I need a t-shirt and a pair of pants today. I take out both of those bags. You can see everything in them. Take out what you need, zip it back up and put it back in the suitcase. So you don't even really have to unpack when you get to where you're going, except for the things that you need to hang. Those you have to hang, you know, like (laughs) you can still roll your blouses in the Ziploc, but you probably would want, or a dress, depending on the dress, you can still roll a dress. How long of a trip? would you say you can reasonably take in a carry-on? You mean a wheeled overhead suitcase? No checking luggage. One week. All right. Shoes are the one that you really have to think through. And I always tell everyone to wear your largest, biggest shoes on the plane so you don't pack them. And sometimes that's your tennis shoe because tennis shoes are hard to pack. Yeah, that's so true. I think... Where this quick discussion has led us to is that we need an entire travel discussion. I've had many requests for it. And so I think we will do a podcast on traveling. People are going to start traveling a lot again, hopefully. People have already planned their next big trip. And, you know, you have to be organized. Don't think you're going to pack the night before. And when you get to your location, be happy with what you have in your suitcase. You know, that is a place that you really need to be organized. Well, our guest has a lot of experience in traveling and probably packing for weeks on end. Pam Borton, former coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and she has written two books. She's an executive coach now. She's written two books. The second one is called The Crooked Rim, Master Your Mindset to Strengthen Your Resilience for Limitless Personal and Professional Excellence. Having personal and professional excellence in packing is also very important. It's the one biggest request I get from my clients. Like I do a lot of, I don't actually pack for them, but the whole process of getting it in the suitcase, I help them with. And once I talk to them about it, they can do that on their own. Exactly. And then it's just a skill. It's a skill you've learned as long as you, it's, 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 it's like once you've learned how to organize your spaces to stay in that space and, and it's repetitive motion. So, and I think Pam knows a little bit about repetitive motion. And so let's, in, let's welcome Pam to our podcast. We are excited and happy to be joined by Pam Borton. Pam is a Final Four coach, a phenomenal human being. I've known her marginally through University of Minnesota Connections and watched her career and obviously with my love of basketball and volleyball and sports and her first book on point was fantastic i'm excited to say her second book the crooked rim 
is as good <laughs> as, if not better than what she put out. Pam, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here. And everybody's got their coffee this morning. And I'm looking forward to chatting with uh, two very talented, powerful, battle-tested women. So the two uh, people I would love to hang out with this morning. Well, thanks so much. Battle-tested. I love that. How, how do you know if you're a person who can get through the battle? Well, you, you go through the battle. I mean, I think everybody needs to go through the battle and, you know, everybody gets through the battle. It's some get through it easier than others. And it's how we respond to the battle. And, but there's so many, there's so many things. I mean, the people that you surround yourself with um, that are supporting you, encouraging you, pushing you through the battle. Um, But we all have, we all have our own battles and just like the crooked rim, some of us have more more than others, and they all look different. Okay, so the crooked rim, you've got it because Lisa and I are both engaged in and almost done with the book. What was the thought process behind it? You did your first book, very successful. What brought you to this book? Well, a number of things. Um, after my first book, everyone's was like, "When are you going to write your second book? When are you going to write your second book?" And then my business exploded and was too busy. I was traveling almost every week. Uh, every week I was on the, on a plane and I just didn't have time. And then COVID hit and, you know, everybody got to stay home, not forced everyone home. I like to change the the messaging. Like we got to stay home. (laughs) And so I didn't have any excuses anymore. And my business was still busy, but I was able to, you know, block some time and, and write my second book. So, you know, things happen for a reason and COVID took me off the road and, put me, put me home. And, um, I set, set a goal, uh, as far as like a, a date in July that I was actually going to start writing my book. And that's what happened. And have you always been a writer? Has that come naturally to you? Oh my gosh. No, no, <laughs> no. I, I will call myself an author, not a writer. There's a difference. No, I, I like, I, I like thought- that author, not a writer. I like that. I'm an author, not a writer. So I have a great editor that, that takes my books to a whole nother level. and makes me look good but I provide the stories and I provide the, the bones and the context of, of everything. But no, it's um, I have, I've always surrounded myself with people that make me better and make me look good. And the same, the same case went with this book. So let's talk about what you've been doing too. For those that are unaware, you were a very storied and honored coach at the University of Minnesota. And then that ended fairly abruptly. Mm-hmm. And you found mm-hmm. yourself looking at a whole new, a whole new world. Yes, I was. And that was uh it was quite a transition after spending 27 years coaching Division I college basketball. Um, I spent 12 years at the University of Minnesota, which um, was is a very long time for a coach. Um, a shelf life of a coach at most universities is about seven years. Um, it's probably less today because people have less patience um, for, for coaches. And it's when, what have you done for me yesterday type of thing. So I had a storied career at the University of Minnesota. Things happened for a reason. It was probably the best thing that ever happened with everything that was going on at the U at the time with uh, a new athletic director and, and everything that was going on at that point. I decided to take a year off and... I had an executive coach when I was coaching for three years and it was transformational for me as a leader and as a coach. And 
it really helped me take my blinders off as a coach. And I really transformed. And I had such a great experience that I went on and got certified as an executive coach, did some speaking, decided to write a book. And I'm like, I'm going to take a year off and see if I still want to get back into coaching. Had a couple interviews. I had an interview with the WNBA team, another division one team. And at both of those interviews, I was I'm like, oh my gosh, what what if they offer me the job? I, I just, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can continue to do this. Like I started getting this really weird feeling that what if they offer me the job? I don't think I can do this anymore. And that really was a turning point in my life. And I just dove in and started my own company. And, and here we are today and thriving. Absolutely thriving. And one of the things that I think is phenomenal and you alluded to it is you've surrounded yourself with good people. I think you're also very good at asking questions and asking for help. Mm-hmm. How does that play into it? Because that's not a characteristic that's easy in a lot of people that asking for help, per- particularly along the line in a career when you've taken a pivot. Well, you need, again, surrounding, your, surrounding yourself with great people is really how you take your game as a leader, as as an individual to the next level. And I learned that very quickly the the day I took the Minnesota job. And I surrounded myself with people that had been a head coach before, um, people that were better in certain areas than myself. And in order to do that, you have to be confident. You have to be confident in your own skills and your own belief and understanding that it's not about what I do that's going to make this an unbelievable program. It's, it's, I have to surround myself with people that are going to fill my gaps and asking questions, asking for help, not having the answers for everything. That's just a sign of strength. That's a sign of vulnerability and vulnerability is power. And if you're the smartest one in the room, I like to say, if you're the smartest one in the room, then, then that's probably not a good thing. And so you always want to be growing. You always want to be challenging yourself. That's fantastic. Just like us in this podcast, right, Lisa? If this comes so naturally to you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Every podcast I do is a challenge for me because this isn't my like wheelhouse and what we're doing right now. The other things, the quiet things, the secret things around it maybe are, but not (laughs) the actual podcast, but I'm, I'm getting better. As Katie says, I'm learning. So that, you know, we we know it's like, that's the people like that. That's the brains behind the whole organization. So we we know that maybe exactly, exactly. Well, and I truly do believe growth comes from change. And as Mm -hmm. much as none of us really probably like change, the change we've gone through, we can look back and say, just like you did, Pam. I mean, that was a, it's a very public thing to go through when you're a coach in Mm -hmm. that. I mean, the big 10 final four coach, when you go through that public of a, of a dismissal, you have to have a level of confidence that carries you to say, Nope, I still got it. Mm -hmm. Well, it it comes with the territory at that level. And especially when they make a change in leadership with an athletic director, you already know, no matter how well you're doing, you know, they, they want their own people. And the year before with a hall of famer of Tubby Smith, and he had taken the men's basketball program further in the NCAA tournament than anyone had ever taken. And he was shown the door the year before myself. It was inevitable. You know, it was, it was inevitable. And I truly believe if I would have taken my team to a sweet 16 that year, I was still was going to be let go. And that's just, that's just how things roll. I felt like I was at the top of my game as a coach. I had won 22 games that year. And, you know, I went out with my head held high and 
It wasn't because I cheated or did something unethical in the program. It's just, it was this time for a change in leadership. I had been there 12 years and sometimes fans get tired of seeing the same person on the sidelines and they just want, want a little something different. So, but I had so much success and learned from my failures as well. And it's helped me work with uh, the C-suite level leaders that I work with today. How many of your professional people that you work with today have a background in collegiate sports? Mm, great question. Um, I just have a new client. He's a CEO and he played college basketball for a couple of years. And, and I, I think that's truly why he chose me as his coach. It's the analogies and we're wired the same. And, you know, he's already sitting in that seat. It's a lonely chair. And I understand what that feels and can relate. I, I probably would say very few, very few. I would say less than 10%. I mean, college athletes, yeah, college athletes, I would say very few. They probably very, played high school. There's a statistic in C-suite women that a large percentage of them have collegiate sports experience. You know, you learn when you go through that at that level, how to become that person that you need to become. And the transferable skills seem to be there if you can, if you mm -hmm. can figure them out. Oh yeah. I think it's like 90, 94 to 95% of women in the C-suite. Well, again, there's only 17 to 18% in the C-suite are women, but 95% of those women played college sports. 54% or 55% played at least high school sports. And so when you think about 95% of those women that are in those senior leadership positions, I mean, that's just collaboration, being a team player, leadership skills, handling pressure and stress and how to get things done through people, like all those skills that you need at that level. It's just ingrained in you. It's a second thought for, for college athletes. And you came about it very young. Talk about your upbringing. Well, I grew up on a farm, grew up on a farm in Northwestern Ohio and started playing basketball outside on a, on a grassy dirt um, surface and sh started shooting hoops on a, on a farm and helped my dad farm, um, drove tractor. He had hogs and cattle. And I started playing basketball when I was five years old and Fast forward, I went to um, a Division three school and played college basketball for four years. And then I went on and um, got my first experience uh, coaching Division one basketball as a graduate assistant and absolutely fell in love with the level, fell in love with, um, they were a top 25 program where I was a graduate assistant and just loved the level, loved the intensity. And that's when I decided this is what I want to do. And I declared pretty early in my career when I was in my 20s that I wanted to be a head coach at a program that had a chance to go to a final four. And so I, I knew I had a vision. I had, I put it out there and then I had to, you know, 10, 10 to 12 or 14 years later, you know, you work your way up and you work your way up the rung of the ladder and pay your dues. And I end up at Minnesota. And the second year I was there, we, we go to a final four. So it was, it was pretty pretty awesome. It sounds like your upbringing was pretty solitary. Mm -hmm. So you're out there one-on-one -on -one with your crooked rim, mm -hmm. almost strategizing. What was your first college degree? Just uh, phys physical education and science. And I got sport, sport management when I went on and got my, my master's and no, I was uh, alone a lot on a farm. My three sisters were, were not necessarily athletes and they chose to do other things, but no, and, but I think today it's like, when you go work out, it's like, I don't need somebody around to push me to go or drag me to go do something. I'm pretty disciplined. I'm very focused. Um, I have goals. 
you know, I'm pretty driven. What's your day look like? What's an average day of Pam Borton? You get up in the morning, you look at yourself mm-hmm. in the mirror. Do you have the same <laughs> routine? Are you a routine person? Oh, yes. Athletes and coaches are all routine people. We have our routine and rituals. Yeah, well, you know, just, re- just remember, this is my second career. I spent almost 30 years, you know, in a rat race. So when I'm not traveling, I take my mornings. My mornings are for me. And so I do yoga. I go for a four-mile run. I take, I walk my dogs. And then by 10 o'clock in the morning, and I, I do take the morning off, I, I get to work and I work rest, re, the rest of the day. And by a certain point at night, I shut down and I make dinner and sit down and have dinner. And then I start working again at night. So I still work a lot. I really do. So, so I have a question for you. You look very okay. nice. Thank um, you. And so now that you have the second career and you're out doing speaking and you're with people, do you think about what you're going to wear? I mean, because being a coach, you had a certain, let's call it uniform that you wore on the court. But now do you really think about what you're going to wear and what that, how important it's going to be when you're meeting with certain people? I do. I, I do. I think I thought about it more when, when I cared a little bit more, but I'm at a point in my career, I'm, I dress the way I want to dress. I dress what is authentic to me. Um, I dress for my audience and who I'm going to meet with. So if I'm meeting with a, you know, a tech company that wears jeans and a t-shirt to work, or if I'm going to meet with a client that's in agriculture or I'm out, I, I dress for the occasion, but I, but I do, I, I have recommended for people to over overdressing is better than underdressing. 100%. So if you're, if you're unsure about what you should wear, and I give that advice now, I'm like, you wear a suit and a tie, or you wear a skirt and heels. Like if you're unsure, you, you'd rather overdress than underdress. And that's what I talk about all the time. And I also talk about, I always say that you mirror the person that you're going to be with. So you dress according to the people you're going to be with is exactly what I talk about mm-hmm. with my clients. So that's great. I never thought about it until Lisa and I started doing this and talking about the psychology of clothing. I mean, there's a psychology of everything, right? But the psychology of clothing is very interesting. We put a social media post up recently that said something to the effect of, I'm a much nicer person when I like what I'm wearing. And the most interesting (laughs) thing is that has gotten more social media play than a lot of other things that we have done. So it really resonated with people. If you feel comfortable, if you like what you're in, that sets you up for your day. It's going to set you up for your day. Yeah. I mean, how many people do you know through COVID wore sweatpants to their meetings? And I I have not worn sweatpants for two years, you know, when I'm in my meetings. (laughs) I either have at least my, my jeans on, I have shoes on, my business partner, I mean, she will put a skirt on and a beautiful blouse and heels on walking around her house, but it just, I'm going to work, you know, I'm going to work and everything we do, which is a big part of my book is a mindset and how we show up and the mood that we're in and our attitude. It's really our mindsets, everything. So whatever you need to do to change your mindset on your moods and your attitudes and whatever's going on in your life. It's there's, there's a lot that goes into that. That's fantastic. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about resilience. I think that's an important point that, that you hit on in your book and let's, uh, We'll be right back with Pam Borden. Rustica Bakery has been our sponsor for over a year and we cannot stop singing the praises. Honestly, Rustica Bakery has two locations. Lisa? They have their new Edina location. And then they also have their other location, which is by Bidet Makai Spa. Spa? (laughs) We'll get better at it. Bidet Um, Makai Spa. And either one is a quick jump in and jump out. 
it's easy to park, run in, run out. And as soon as you walk in, your eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you think of all the things that you really, really want, but you, you have the struggle in your head and then you end up for sure buying one of the things that you're struggling with because you can't stand it. Yeah. And you can't decide which one that's going to be. Yeah. I have the struggle every time, every time. And their coffee. I love their coffee. I like their iced tea. You do like their iced tea. You've talked about that before. I do. I love their iced tea. It's an everyday treat, right? There are days you just need to give yourself an everyday treat. And there's nothing wrong with that. Or maybe pick up some everyday treats to drop off at your kid's house or someone you really love. Or somebody that's not feeling well. There you go. So, And if you want to head in for sandwiches at lunchtime, that is also a possibility. They have a really good breakfast that they do that I've done when I want to meet a client or something. And it's a beautiful day. I'll go into Rustica and order. They do this wonderful little egg breakfast and they serve it with their bread. It's delicious. Hmm. Rusticabakery.com. We'll give you more information on location, hours, all of their wonderful things. You will find yourself salivating just by looking at the website. So I'm warning you on that. Be prepared to be very happy at Rustica Bakery. And we're back with Pam Borton. And Pam, really talking about your book in general, it's Master Your Mindset to Strengthen Your Resilience for Limitless Personal and Professional Excellence, which it does exactly that. We talked with Pilar Gerasimo recently, and we talked about the fact that we don't all need a complete and 100% overhaul of our lives, but sometimes you need you need a mastery of skills. I mean, in every profession, continuing education happens, right? So now when we were taking a break, we were talking about making space. And you said you coach that. You coach making space. What does that mean? Well, <clears throat> because nobody does it. And everybody has their heads down just doing and going 100 miles an hour, and we don't lift our heads up. And creating space gives us time to think, to introspect, to do some reflection, to think about um, strategic things, to be a strategic leader and a strategic thinker and not a tactical person and a doer. And the higher up you go in, in positions or levels, the more time and the more expectations are to strategic thinking, strategic planning, not what am I going to do today, but what are we going to do this year, next year, three years down the road? And it takes time, time blocking, time blocking your schedule, creating that space to think. And it's actually very uncomfortable for many people because you're using a different side of your brain. Think about the time, the last time you went to a workshop for half a day or a full day. And most people are exhausted after, after those days because they're doing something that they normally don't spend a lot of time doing. Thinking, reflecting, doing introspection. So creating that space is so important. There's a framework that I use with my clients about how much time they should be spending on day-to-day and, and that space as well. So it's very important and it's part of your holistic development for, for as an individual. It's funny that you say that because as you were talking about that, I remember when I would go with my kids when they were little on a field trip and I was like the mom that went on the field trip and we had the whole day and I get, got in the bus with the kids on the way home and I'm the one that fell asleep because <laughs> I was doing something different than I would ever do in my day. And I didn't do it a lot, but when I did do it, I was doing exactly what you just said. 
you know, I mm-hmm. was using the other part of my brain and I was exhausted at the end of the day. So that, mm-hmm. that, I, that's a good one. I like that one. Thank you. So back to, you were talking a little bit about your day too. Those quiet times in the morning before your feet hit the ground, just contemplative thought. And the, I, I would think when you're planning strategically and you're looking out five years, you're giving yourself the framework for what's to come, which has got to be easier than to identify within your corporation or within your business, the steps you're going to take to get to those five years. So you're giving yourself a very big gift by strategically thinking out further. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's really actually an expectation. And that's what everyone around you needs for you to do. And they need for leaders to do more of that. You know, that's a big part of inspiration today. You know, people want and need inspirational leaders, especially after every, what everybody's been through over the last couple of years and leading behind the screen. People want a vision. People want a purpose and meaning. People want to know where they're going. Where are we going? How am I connected to the bigger, the bigger picture? And what I do every day, how, how am I connected to the bigger picture? And so people want to feel purpose and meaning and a connectedness. And so it's so important for leaders to have that vision and to be able to communicate it it inspiringly for people. And that's what keeps people at companies. That's retention, that is motivation. And that's a skill set that many people need to really focus on more and really develop. How much have you seen mental health being brought into the discussion in corporations, especially since the pandemic has started? Oh, it's, it's a daily conversation. You know, maybe mental health isn't the, the words that's used, but it's burnout, it's mental wellness, it is happiness, it is satisfied with their lives. Um, a big part of that is confidence, attitudes, it's being connected to people. People aren't as connected to each other as they used to be. It's support systems. There's so many things in my book that I talk about that helps really build resilience. And those are some of the things that it, it helps you. It's like water in a flower. It's like you need th- those, those nutrients and, and that sunlight and that water every single day to, to continue building that resilience because there's so many things that happen during the day that the resilience is, gets chipped away because you have to be resilient for so many things, but how are you filling up your bucket and replenishing that? And it's so many different things that I do talk about in my book that are easy, but hard to do. So true. <laughs> Talk about Caroline's crooked rim. I found this wonderful paraphrasing. She was a high performer at a global technology company, top sales leader, really the only Mm -hmm. woman on the team, right? Paid less than the men. What was her sticking point and how did you come to Caroline? Oh, what was her sticking point? Support. She battle tested every day uh, from, you know, she, you know, to this day, she's still the only woman on the leadership team. She's still, she's still the only one. And so she gets tested every single day, but it's, it's that confidence, believing that you're enough, believing that you belong, finding your voice at the table, getting yourself back up, brushing yourself off and getting yourself back in the game. It's, it's getting those small wins every day that you can celebrate. I think what's fascinating with her is she didn't jump ship to go elsewhere. She wanted to stick with it. And I think that's something that we don't see as much anymore. And that's resilience. It's, it's never giving up. And understanding that 
whatever is going on, it's just going to make you better. It's going to make you tougher for whatever's next. You know, if, if Carolyn does go somewhere else, if she does get another opportunity, you know, everything that she's gone through has prepared her for whatever is next for her. And I think when you frame it that way with optimism and things happen for a reason, you know, I'm going to bring it back to that word that I used at the very beginning, we're all battle tested. You know, she's battle tested almost every day and it's just making her better. It's making her tougher. And the sky's going to be the limit for her because she is a rock star today. That's fantastic. And if she does, like you say, choose to go elsewhere, it's not going to be because going got tough. It's going to be because the opportunities open up for her because of the work that she did. Absolutely. And that she has gotten so much confidence and she realizes what she can do and that I am enough. And if I continue to get pushed down in this company and not lifted up, you know, I think when you start looking around, you start appreciating what you have gone through and um, what it's gotten you prepared for, that um, the sky's the limit for sure. And the timing is not always what you think it's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's not. I mean, the timing could be when you're not prepared and, and you just get booted out the door. Um, the timing could be, you know, a few months before you're ready. The timing, sometimes you just got to take a risk. You got to take a risk. Yeah. You, you talk about the mindset or the, the makeup of most every coach and the win at all costs that drive. How has that tempered in an executive coaching role? Oh, of course, of course. You know, I, I still have that same mindset when I'm running my business and, and really what I want my business to be and look like. But yes, there's a reason why clients hire me. You know, they're a little bit wired like myself. They're extremely successful. They're driven. They are, um, they want to be successful. They want to go on to the next. So I help them put together some goals and some strategy on how they can excel in the position that they're in, whether it's they've got to develop more emotional intelligence, they have to develop uh, better relationships and, you know, across the companies, but then helping them get those skills and develop those skills before they actually get into that next seat. And it's really opening up their eyes to help them do that. So, but, oh yeah, I mean, it's, people say, are, do you coach, you coach your clients just like you coached your players? And I'm like, um, well, I don't have a whistle. <laughs> I'm not going to make, I'm not going to make it get on the line and run sprints. Maybe, maybe I will. We might have to call a timeout every once in a while during our coaching sessions, but you coach all your clients very different, just like you do your players. Everybody's motivated differently. You have to inspire everybody a little bit differently. You have to communicate a little bit differently to your athletes, but also your clients. And so each one of them is very unique and very special. And, and the mental sprints, I think, are even harder than doing the physical sprints. I think that's harder for people to understand. You're absolutely right. It's, it's developing those. And I would say, Lisa, those mental skills and those emotional skills are 80% of their success. You know, obviously they, you know, they need to, you know, exercise and get sleep and take care of themselves and, you know, so they can put in those long hours and handle that stress. But the mental game and the emotional game is something that business leaders aren't used to developing. They're not used to developing those muscles, but that's, you know, that's 80% of our success is, is between the ears. Especially for women. And then if they look good and they feel good in their outfit, <laughs> they have a much better day when they, especially like I tell my clients when they have a tough day 
or they're going to be speaking to a large group of people and they, they know their stuff, but when they walk Mm -hmm. out on stage, they want to feel good when they walk out on stage. And then that just is like the frosting on the cupcake is what I tell them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's also important. Well, Lisa, you know what, when it was before COVID, I was speaking so much on, on stage. I had about 50 speaking engagements a year and I had a couple of outfits that were my go-to and I would almost wear them. Thank God it was, again, it was with different audiences, but I would almost wear the same thing speaking because those were my power outfits. Those were the outfits that gave me confidence. Like I walked up on stage and I was owning it. I owned the audience because of what I had on. And I completely relate to that. Yeah, I call that with my clients, their lucky outfit or their power outfit. And mm-hmm. I, I make sure that every client I have has two or three of those in their wardrobe. And those are their go-tos. So, mm-hmm. and the shoes, the shoes are important for women. The oh, yes. So. Yeah. What I think your book talks about that's so important and that even Lisa, as you're putting into it, it's really putting the whole package together, really becoming the best human that you can be for that situation you're in at that time and feeling it as well so that it's mutually beneficial on both sides. It's beneficial to wherever it is you're working, but it benefits you greatly. So I, I think about a lot of people that say, oh, I don't have time for that, or I don't have time for an executive coach, or I don't try, but really then you're missing the full picture. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they, those individuals don't understand, you know, the best athletes in the world have the best coaches. And some of those athletes have five coaches, you know, they have so many different coaches for so many different things because they know they have to take care of their minds, their bodies, their swings, their nutrition in order to compete at a very high level. And the executives that we work with today are competing at a very high level and are expected to do unbelievable things. Um, So, so I completely agree. Yeah. In a, in a world of ever changing, we could have a whole nother conversation on social media and (laughs) what that's brought into. And I bet you're really happy. You're not coaching in the major throes of social media. Oh, it's uh, well, I think it was just starting, uh, you know, I had a couple of years of it, but now it's, it's a whole different ball game. And I will, I am so glad I am not coaching college sports today. I I'm, I'm the lucky one. Yeah. I have a question for you. We're going to take a random pivot here. But what do you think your superpower is? That is a great question. Uh, there's a couple of words that come right to my mind, but I am going to say optimism is a superpower of mine. So I turn, I, and I try to help my clients do this as well, but I turn every situation, negative, bad, ugly, into something, I find something good out of it. I find something positive out of it. And I do that with everyone around me that, you know, they're like, well, this and this and this happened. And I said, well, it's the good part of that is this. And so I try to find the good in people. I try to find the good in every situation. So optimism is my superpower. That's a very good superpower to have. That's a fabulous superpower to have. Well, I think it's a great place to end too, because I know you have a lot of things to do and places to go and (laughs) people's lives to help transform and I want to talk to you about nonprofit. You started Team Women. Talk mm-hmm. about that. Well, that was pretty amazing. Back in 2011, I was still coaching and I went downtown and was the keynote speaker at this wonderful event where they honored 52 women, were the women, women awards and women to watch. And 
I started this nonprofit because of that event. And it was the topic and the theme that I spoke on. And after that event, these women came up to me and they're like, you have to do something. You have to create an organization for us, the, the, a resource for us in Minneapolis. And I'm like, I'm too busy. I'm coaching. I already have a day job. Well, one thing led to the next and started a nonprofit. And I would say 35 of those 52 women were part of the start of Team Women. They were either on the board, they were part of the organizational meeting, but it's, uh, it's an organization where we have a mentoring program, we have leadership development events, we have a leadership conference, we have programs for, for young girls. And so really it's the resource for, for women who want to network, build connections, get better, get a mentor, but it's really become the resource in Minneapolis for women. It's very simple what it says on your homepage, teamwomenmn.org. We inspire women and girls to rise together. I mean, you don't need anything mm-hmm. more than that. Anything that's involved in that. And that's fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. How do we get a hold of your book for those? I mean, Lisa and I have our book, but best way to get a hold of your book, best way to get a hold of you. Oh, you can find me on LinkedIn. People can track me down. You can buy one of my books on my website that is autographed. It's personalized to you. Um, I will write a special note in it at onpointnextlevel.com. You can also find this on Amazon and the audiobook is on Amazon, hardcover, softcover. If you don't want uh, an autograph from Coach Borton, you can go to Amazon. I think the autograph's <laughs> worth it. They got to go to your, they got to go to your site. Coach Borton, <laughs> thank you so much for being with us. Loved every minute of talking to you. All the best. And we'll Look forward to the next book. Well, never say never. Never <laughs> say never. Well, great. Well, you guys. Thank you very my, much, you, Pam. It was thank you. wonderful, fabulous. I really enjoyed listening to you. And I really enjoyed your book and have recommended it to several of my clients already. Well, great. Well, thank you. This is the, the best way to start the start a morning for sure. So thanks for having me. You are so welcome. I just so enjoyed that conversation with Pam Borton. I, like you said too, I really am enjoying the Crooked Rim, almost done with it. Applicable in really every aspect. Yes, I am also almost done with it. It's very easy to read. The only problem I have when I read is that I have to stop and think about what I'm reading. So I'll go back and reread it because I don't want to, it's not a novel, right? It's something that you have to do in your own mindset. So I've really enjoyed it. And like I said, I recommended it to several people already. I think it's an easy book to read. It's a very easy book to read and you can take it in chapters because, you know, you referenced it earlier as when you, when you get overwhelmed with something or when something is different than you're normally used to, you were talking about going with your kids to the museum or whatnot on a field trip and how you get sleepy. I find that when things get overwhelming to me, I can only take so much. And then I get sleepy. And I think that's our brain's way of saying, okay, you need to rest. You're done now. (laughs) You're done now. So even taking a chapter a day of this, she, she tells it in such a way. She's very honest. She's honest about leaving the University of Minnesota. I mean, it's out there, right? You're a coach of a major institution and a, a perennial favorite. And it's it's a tough thing to go through so publicly. And people go through this all the time in different ways. And just some of this tried and tested and battle tested. I, I love that she said that. So I really encourage anyone to get this book. And if anyone needs to get a hold of us, Lisa, how do they do? How do they get a hold of you? Well, you can email me at lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net, but you can also go to my website, wardrobeconsulting.net. Fantastic. And I am Katie at katieharms.com. 
website is katieharms.com. You have joined us here on The View in Your Mirror, and we appreciate you so much. You can find us, tell your friends, share us, like us, make a comment. Tell us if you have somebody interesting you want us to try to get on. We'll do our best and maybe use you a contact to get us together. In the meantime, when you start your day and you have that initial view in your mirror, be kind and wonderful to yourself because you are the best you you're going to be. And that view in your mirror will continue to be awesome. Until next time.